Hey, this is Tony calling from the deep, dark, piney woods of Northeast Texas. Wouldn't be fair if I didn't talk about the Texas Longhorn. The Texas Longhorn is a breed of cattle known for its characteristic horns, which can extend to over 100 inches tip to tip for cows and bulls. They are descendants of the first cattle introduced in the New World, brought by explorer Christopher Columbus and the Spanish colonist. Descended from cattle that arrived in arid parts of southern Iberia, these cattle have been bred for a high drought stress tolerance. Texas Longhorns are known for their diverse coloring and can be any color or mix of colors but coloration mixes of dark red and white are the most dominant. Registries for the breed include the Texas Longhorn Breeders Association of America, founded in the year 1964 by the Kerr County rancher Charles Schreiner, the International Texas Longhorn Association, and the Cattlemen's Texas Longhorn Registry. The online National Texas Longhorn Museum displays the diversity of horns found in the breed, stories about notable individual cattle of the breed, and a gallery of furniture made from the cattle horns. The largest recorded total horn length is 129.5 inches, almost 12 feet. The spread of the Longhorn M. Arrow Cha-Ching. That was the name of the Longhorn. This Longhorn is owned by Richard Flip, who lives near Fayetteville, Texas. The second largest or longest on record is 3S Danica of Tallgrass Cattle Company, which measured 100 inches tip to tip on September 13th of 2018. Because of their innate gentle disposition and intelligence, Texas Longhorns are increasingly being trained for steer riding, including being used in parades. Well, let's go back into the history and find out where these guys came from. Genetic analysis shows that the Texas Longhorn originated from an Iberian terrain lineage that descended from the domestication of wild aroch in the Middle East with some admixture of the European Aroks, that's A-U-R-O-C-H-S, and was later, while in America, crossed with Indicent cattle that are descended from the domestication of Aroks in India, 85% and 15% respectively, by proportion. The Texas Longhorns are directed descendants of the first cattle introduced to the New World. Portuguese cattle breeds such as Alentejana and Mertalinga are the closest existing relatives of the Texas Longhorn. Way back there in 1493, Christopher Columbus brought the original ancestral cattle to the Caribbean island of La Isla Española, known now as Española, to serve as a food supply for the colonists. Between the years of 1493 and 1512, Spanish colonists brought additional cattle in subsequent expeditions. 
the cattle consisted of three different breeds, Berrenda, De Tinto, and Grande Pieto. Over the next two centuries, the Spaniards used the cattle in Mexico and gradually moved them north to accompany their expanding settlements. The Spaniards reached the area that became known as Texas near the end of the 17th century. Well, eventually some cattle escaped and were turned loose on the open range, where they remained mostly feral for the next 200 years. Over several generations, descendants of these cattle developed the high feed and drought stress tolerances and other hardy characteristics that have given Longhorns the reputation as livestock. Early Anglo-American settlers in East Texas and part of Mexico obtained feral Mexican cattle for the borderland between the Nueces River and the Rio Grande. They bred them with their own eastern cattle. The results, as you can imagine, was a tough, rangy animal that was characterized by its lengthy legs and exceptionally long horns that extended up to seven feet. Selective breeding produced color variations within the breed. The very varieties of colors ranged from bluish gray, various yellowish hues, to browns, blacks, ruddy, and white, both cleanly bright and dirty speckled. Beautiful animals. So as Texas became more densely settled through increased migration after it was annexed by the U.S., the frontier was developed for crop farms and ranch lands. The leaner beef of the Texas Longhorn was not an, as attractive in an era where tallow was highly prized. Reed's ability to survive on poor vegetation of the open range was not as important as the range was enclosed. Other breeds demonstrated traits more highly valued by the modern ranchers, such as the ability to gain weight quickly for marketing as beef. The Texas Longhorn stock slowly dwindled, but in the year 1927, the breed was saved from near ex extinction by enthusiasts from the United States Forest Service. They collected a small herd of stock of breed to breed on the Wichita Mountains Wildlife Refuge in Lawton, Oklahoma. The breed also received significant attention after a Texas Longhorn named Bevo was adopted as the mascot for the University of Texas at Austin in 1917. The animal's image became commonly associated with oilman Sid W. Richardson, who helped finance the project. The Longhorns were cared for largely as curiosities, but the stock's longevity, resistance to disease, and the ability to thrive on marginal pastures resulted in a revival of the breed as beef stock and their link to Texas history. In 1957, Charles Schreiner III began creating a longhorn herd on his ranch, the Y.O., in Mountain Home, Texas. As a tribute to the ranching legacy of his grandfather, Captain Charles Armin Schreiner, and the longhorns he ran on his ranches, Schreiner purchased five heifers and one bull calf for $75 each from the Wichita Mountain Wildlife Refuge near Lawton. In the year of 1964, the Shriner founded the Texas Longhorn Breeders Association of America. The YO or Yo herd was the first cattle registered with the association. To draw attention to the Longhorn, 
and its new association in 1966, Schreiner organized a cattle drive of Longhorn steers from San Antonio, Texas to Dodge City, Kansas. This drive was promoted as a centennial commemoration of the earlier Chisholm Trail drives. Schreiner arranged for local members of the Quana Sheriff's Posse to stage a simulated Indian attack as the steers crossed the Red River at Doan's Crossing. The attack was so authentic that the steers stampeded with cowboys in close pursuit. Four hours were needed to reassemble the herd. In 1976, Texas Tech University of Lubbock persuaded Schreiner to stage a cattle trail drive to celebrate its new National Ranching Heritage Center. In the year 1995, the Texas legislature designated the Texas Longhorn as the state's mammal large. In the 21st century, Texas Longhorns are from elite bloodlines can sell for more than $40,000 at an auction. The record for a Longhorn, if you can believe it, was $380,000 paid on March the 18th, 2017 was a cow 3S Danica and heifer calf at side during the Legacy 13 sale in Fort Worth, Texas. Commercial ranchers crossbreed Texas Longhorns with other breeds for increasing hybrid vigor and easy calving, easy calving characteristics. Smaller birth weights reduce diastosia for the first calf heifers. So there's some uh, brief information on the Texas Longhorn that uh, prospered, fell to almost extinction, and then came back. Uh, this is Tony. Until next time, we'll see you on the rebound. Hi, this is Tony, talking to you from the dark piney woods of Northeast Texas. Today, the Comanche, Horsemen of the Plains. The Comanche are a Native American nation of the Great Plains whose historic territory ranged from present-day Central Texas, Eastern New Mexico, southeastern Colorado, southwestern Kansas, western Oklahoma, and northern Chihuahua, Mexico. So the area was quite extensive from Mexico down on up to New Mexico. Dating back to the early 1500s, the Comanche were originally part of the eastern Shoshone tribe who lived near the upper reaches of the Platte River in the eastern part of Wyoming. However, when the Europeans entered the scene and the tribe obtained horses, they broke off from the Shoshone with an estimated 10,000 members. Moving south, they first migrated to the Central Plains before continuing to move southward to an area that extended from the Arkansas River to Central Texas. As they continued to migrate, the Comanche population increased dramatically due to the abundance of buffalo an influx of Shoshone members and the kidnapping of women and children from rival tribes and Mexican settlements. Long known as a warlike and aggressive tribe, some estimates 
state that up to 20,000 people were kidnapped, unfortunately. The Comanche Indians did not treat their captives well, considering them little more than a slave and a commodity. From the moment of their capture until their death or release, they were both physically and mentally abused. Though the tribe was large, they never formed a single tribal unit, but were divided into eight to twelve independent groups. Sharing the same language and culture, they sometimes fought between bands and at other times were at peace, cooperating with one another. Although the name Comanche is well known, it is uncertain where it originated. There are two accounts of its origin, the most accepted being a Spanish corruption of the name the you call them Comats, meaning those who are against us. The second account is that it was a derivative of the Spanish word Amino Ancho, meaning wide trail. They were also called Paduca by early French and American explorers, but the preferred name of the tribe was always been Numanu, meaning the people. The Comanche speak uh, Uto-Aztecan language, which is almost identical to the Shoshone from which they originated. The horse was a key element in the Comanche culture, who are thought to have been the first of the Plains Indians to have horses. In the beginning, they were primarily a hunter-gatherer nomadic society, but with horses they became more daring and aggressive and were soon considered the best buffalo hunters on the plains. The horse trade quickly became a large part of their culture, breeding, stealing, and trading horses to other plains Indians, allowing them also to become more productive buffalo hunters. Warfare was a major part of the Comanche life with conflicts often bringing them into battles with the Apache and other tribal groups. Those they stole from often found it simpler and safer to buy back the stolen commodities rather than to fight for them. During the 1800s, they began to steal cattle from the Texas settlers and reselling them in New Mexico. During this period of time, they fought the Mexicans and white settlers and many of the other Plains and tribe Indians. In an attempt to stop the raids upon the Apache, the Spanish offered help. However, it was to no avail, and the Apache were finally forced out of the Southern Plains by the mid-1800s, now dominating the Texas Panhandle area, including western Oklahoma and northeastern New Mexico. The Comanche were so well healed at their horsemanship that they began to supply horses to French and American traders. Many historians debate whether the Comanche deserved their ferocious reputation, indicating that they were only fighting for retrieval of the land they felt was theirs. Continuing to protect their territory, the formidable Comanche aggressively attacked the many settlers passing through on their way to the California Gold Rush. Some were killed, but most often their horses and cattle were just taken from them. The fierce Comanche continued to maintain their independence and even increased their territory until new diseases, including smallpox and cholera, became uh, to take their, their toll. By the 1870s, these terrible illnesses had reduced their population to only 7,000 people.
In the 1860s, efforts began to move the Comanche to a reservation in Indian Territory, which is now Oklahoma State. In the Treaty of the Medicine Lodge of 1867, the government offered them churches, schools, and annuities in return for a vast tract of land totaling over 60,000 square miles. They also promised to stop the buffalo hunters who were disseminating or killing off the great herds of the plains with uh, the condition that the Comanche along with the Apache, Kiowa, Cheyenne, and Arapaho relocated to other areas. Obviously, the government failed on their promise to prevent the buffalo hunters from slaughtering the herds, which soon provoked the Comanche chief White Eagle to attack a group of hunters in the Texas Panhandle in 1874. Known as the Second Battle of Adobe Walls, the attack was a disaster for the Comanche, and the army soon drove those who were remaining onto a reservation. In 1892, the government negotiated with uh, Geronimo in uh, the Geronimo Agreement with the Apache, or Comanche, Kiowa and Apache, which further reduced the reservation land to 480,000 acres with a 160-acre allotment to each person. Today, the Comanche Nation claims approximately 10,000 members, about half of whom live in Oklahoma, and the rest are scattered throughout Texas. California and New Mexico, Lawton, Oklahoma. This is the site where they have the annual powwow when Comanche from across the United States gather to celebrate their heritage and culture. Well, this is just a little uh, um, information on the Comanche. I might keep talking about the Comanche and how they lived on the plains in future podcasts. Thanks for listening.
Thank you. 